quote the legendary Kobe Bryant. You shake the tree, the leopard's going to fall out. The Los Angeles Lakers wiped the Memphis Grizzlies off the floor and out of the playoffs in game six. I'm Blake Atwell, and welcome to The Blake Show. Coming to you nationally on TuneIn Believe Betting Radio, YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts, the show where we talk all things NBA and NBA bets. I am recording this after the conclusion of Lakers Grizzlies, and uh, why don't we start there? I have to say I was expecting more of a tight game in game six, and I will stand on the fact that I picked Memphis before the series to win it in seven, and the Grizzlies proved me wrong time after time again in this series. And look, after losing to Golden State last season, it's no secret Memphis was supposed to be that next up-and-coming team in the league that was going to take that next step forward, whether that be getting to the conference finals, maybe making a run to the to the finals. And Ja Morant kind of puts even more pressure on the situation by just, you know, early in the season saying, I'm fine in the West and in that interview with Malika Andrews. And then before Memphis has won anything, any series, anything, Dylan Brooks comes out and wants to talk about how old LeBron James is and how he only respects somebody when they drop 40 on him. Well, Dylan Brooks, you just got beat by 40. So I think that you probably respect the Lakers and LeBron James after tonight. And to quote Kobe again, and uh, you know, sort of go back to that quote, you shake the tree, a leper is going to fall out. And that's not only what you got with LeBron James after Dylan Brooks made those comments, but you saw that with the rest of the Lakers team, especially tonight, obviously more so than game five, but back to Memphis for now. Um, you know, one thing that I want to point out here is I don't think it's any secret to any buddy that follows the NBA that it's very rare. And honestly, in my fandom of the NBA since, you know, I was a baby basically and I've been watching basketball. I don't think that I have ever seen so many non-Lakers fans pull for the Lakers. Like everybody that follows the league understands that that does not happen. People hate the Lakers. Just like people hate the Celtics and you know, some people hate the Spurs, the Miami Heat, like any team or the Warriors, any team that has had success, mainly to a lot of the teams that have had consistent success in the last decade or so, you know, that are modern and relevant. Um, people don't, you know, want to see them do well. They want to knock them off when they're successful. Obviously, the Lakers, I think more so even than the Celtics because of LA and Hollywood and Showtime and all of that and some of the uh, um, the hate that has built up um, not only between other fan bases, but because of Laker fans and how passionate Laker fans are about their team. I think the Lakers do have one of the best fan bases in the NBA. Um, but because of that, you don't see other fan bases pulling for the Lakers or other people that watch the league pulling for the Lakers. I live in Boston. I work in Boston. I can tell you, that I talked to several people and I can just tell you from sort of being on Boston Twitter and East Coast Twitter, NBA Twitter, I saw jargon out there about people just wanting, not even necessarily wanting the Lakers to like win, 
but wanting Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies to lose. And you understand how hard that is to make the NBA fans out there and NBA Twitter and, you know, the, the social media landscape overall, like to, to, to sort of tick people off so bad that you're pulling for the other side when the other side is the Lakers. And that is what Dylan Brooks did. That is just sort of an example of how far he took things when he didn't have to. Um, it's one thing to talk trash and, and to try to, you know, sort of rile up that that mental battle that you have in the playoffs. But it's another thing to take it to another level and say things that are out of pocket and disrespect um, one of the greatest players to ever play the game and then follow that up by not talking to the media after you lose. Like, you can have it both ways, bro. You and your teammates can't be doing the gritty and and it's a it's a party in my city and 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 everything else when you win and then when you lose, like you're nowhere to be found. And I would be saying that whether this was, you know, the Miami Heat, whether if this was the Lakers playing against another team or the the Celtics or the Warriors or whatever, like that's just not how you conduct yourself. That's not how um you operate as a professional. Look at Giannis. Uh, my last show, I completely flamed the Milwaukee Bucks. And, you know, that was mainly because their team Twitter account decided to to say some things a couple years ago when they beat the Heat in the playoffs. But give you honest credit, like, tough series. He dealed with an injury. Didn't go well for him or his team. They lose in five games. Obviously, that that question goes viral about failure. And you you can think what you want about the way that he answered it. But what I will say and and the respect that I do give to him and, and the Bucks is that he answered that question, right? He's sitting there at the podium. They had just lost in five games to the Miami Heat, a team that, you know, was in the play-in tournament. And he sat there and he answered the questions. He showed up because he knows he has a responsibility to his team and to the league to um to 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 go to those press conferences and and do his duty as a um professional athlete. And you compound Dylan Brooks not doing that by some of the other things he was saying. And it's really just not a good look. And then you lose game six by 40 and look, I mean, Dylan Brooks, the Grizzlies, I don't know what his situation is going to be going forward. With that team, do they bring him back? Do they um, look to, to go in a different direction? Um, but I do think that the Grizzlies starting tonight and it's, you're already seeing it on Twitter. Like they're in for a lot, of, a lot of people going to be talking to them, Laker fans and non-Laker fans, because of some of the uh some of the things he was saying and obviously lebron himself has a big fan base some of which are not laker fans they're just lebron fans um so you know like i said you know kind of moving past the dylan brooks things thing in in particular um it's tough for memphis i don't know what they do um you you know if you're going by the regular season i mean i think it they looked like they had improved as a team and maybe they had learned some lessons from last year's loss to the Warriors in the playoffs. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, of course you have the injuries to Brandon Clark, Steven Adams, that makes a huge difference, but the way this Lakers Lakers team is playing, I think the Lakers still would have beaten the Grizzlies um, in six or seven games in this series, even with Brandon Clark and Steven Adams. Is it a 40 point loss? Like definitely no, but I do think that the Lakers would have still prevailed um, so the bottom line is, you know, whether they drew the Lakers or somebody else, they weren't going to get as far as they wanted to this season. They weren't going to get to the finals clearly. 
And I think that they should make some kind of a big trade or clear some, some cap space and look to make a big signing. One guy that I know was rumored to go there and ended up not getting traded at all is OG Ananubi from Toronto. That's somebody that I think could um, take Memphis to another level next season. If, if they really just get like another three and D wing or another athletic, bigger wing scorer who can go get you a bucket. Um, you add that you, you bring back the core of your team. I would say minus Dylan Brooks, cause you don't need that distraction anymore. And he's not giving you the production to back it up. Draymond green, you know, says what he wants to and whatever, and he backs it up and he's a champion. Dylan, Dylan Brooks hasn't won anything, not a champion. And, uh, I think they should get rid of him. Um, add somebody like an OG and a newbie. And then you uh, bring Steven Adams back into the fold, Brandon Clark into the fold. And that's a, that's a really tough out for anybody, not just in the Western conference, um, but also the league. So I think if you're a Memphis Grizzlies fan, still a lot of reason to be optimistic. Of course, you know, you have John Morant entering the prime of his career. Um, you have Jaron Jackson Jr., really great athletic defensive big who can also shoot the three like super talented group there i think just um you know maybe maybe try to add another go-to guy uh hopefully that you can stay healthy going into the next season and and you let let the chips fall where they may now let's move on to the lakers the lakers start the season two and ten and we talked a great deal about this on this show and you've heard it on any other show that you would watch out there that covers the nba and yeah, I mean, they have a completely new roster since the trade deadline. But at the same time, I think you do got to give credit where credit is due. To even get to the seventh seed, LA had to play like one of the best teams in the league after the deadline. And that is exactly what they did. They were the best team in the league after the deadline by record. And uh, even with the record as good as it was post-deadline, it is still crazy to think about not only the fact that the Lakers got to this series and they didn't have to play Denver is the eight seed um, that they were able to, to get to the play in and then be the higher seed, have home court in the play and beat Minnesota, get to seven. But then what they did in the series and winning in six games and winning tonight by 40 points, um, you go into Memphis and you take game one, then you handle your business at home. You go up three, one um, have some rough, rough patches in there as well. Of course, um, losing two games in the series. I think game five was was a particular low point, but then you put together, I think, what is one of the most impressive performances of the NBA playoffs that we've seen so far in this game six win um, to secure the series. And I think the, the biggest thing about the Lakers winning tonight, other than obviously advancing, is the fact that they earn rest for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, something that's not guaranteed as we know, and something that the last time that they got, they won a championship. Um, the last time that those guys had adequate rest and they were healthy, they won a title. Um, so that's something to consider here. And the Lakers' next series is not going to start until Tuesday because Kings-Warriors is game seven now because the Warriors couldn't close it out tonight. Um, so I think if there was ever a path for this Lakers team to reach the Western Conference Finals, this is it. Before we talk any more, though, about what could happen beyond what happened tonight, I do want to dive a little more into how L.A. closed out the series in Game 6. And in my opinion, the two biggest reasons why L.A. won by 40 are, number one, Anthony Davis completely dominated the game when he was on the floor, obviously didn't have to play a ton of minutes, 
because of how far they were ahead. Um, but there's that. And then number two, D'Angelo Russell. What 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 more can you say about him other than he was excellent tonight hitting his shots? But I think even more importantly than hitting the shots, because you can't control whether the ball's going in or not, the way that he controlled the game with his pace and his playmaking skills. And for this Lakers team to fully reach its potential, this is the Anthony Davis they need, and they need D'Angelo Russell. Maybe not, you know, to, you're not going to expect him to average 30 a night and shoot um, what was he from three? I'm going to look it up. He was five of nine from, from three tonight, D'Angelo Russell. But you can't expect him to be this good of a playmaker and not turn the ball over and just hit a couple threes. And if they do that, man, the Lakers are, are a really tough out, not only in the second round, but as we go through the rest of uh, of the playoffs. And uh, Anthony Davis, man, you need him to dominate on defense. And he did that tonight with his block shots and his rebounding. And then really just being assertive on offense. Um, I think more so than even his stats. It's how he's playing from from the tip. Is he really trying to like set the set the tempo? Because when he does that, the Lakers typically win these games. And when he's more passive, that's when the Lakers trail. Sometimes they try to make comebacks, they come up a little short, or game five happens and they just kind of get um, you know, beat by a wider margin. Um and look, I mean if you do look at the Lakers losses in the series and also just throughout the, uh, the, the season after the trades, when they lost games, when they were fully healthy to me, it kind of always felt like a lot of the offensive production was really falling on just Austin Reeves and LeBron James. And those two guys weren't getting much help from anywhere else. And the rest of the roster is just too talented for that to happen. You have Russell scoring 31 points tonight, Rui Hachimura had a really big dunk, had a really great series overall. Jared Vanderbilt, what can you say about him guarding Ja Morant? Um, and, you know, we, we saw what he did in the regular season against guys like Luka. So um, we know why he's out there. And then he hit some open shots tonight. And, you know, you're not going to expect him to hit as many threes as he did tonight, but um, on, on a consistent basis. But if teams are going to leave him open, hey, you'll take those for sure. Um, so if you're the Lakers and you can get a balanced, um, not, not even just scoring attack, just a, just a balanced sort of flow of playmaking between Austin Reeves, LeBron James, D'Angelo Russell, you have Anthony Davis being assertive, um, Jared Vanderbilt really playing well on the defensive end of the court. Then you can get, um, hopefully Malik Beasley to come in off the bench and knock down some shots when he's feeling it. You have Dennis Schroeder to also help with the playmaking, um, Troy Brown Jr. and and I'll get to this more in just a second with uh, when we cover Darvin Ham here. Um, but you know those two guys in particular, Beasley and and Brown, or two other guys, the Lakers, if they're on, can can go to. Um, and uh, the last thing that I do want to say about D'Angelo Russell here in this game, he has this kind of production in him, and I think his biggest issue from stop to stop where he's moved across these different teams the last couple of years is the consistency, particularly in big games. And I think that a night like tonight really helps them not only in getting paid by the Lakers this summer, um, but in helping the Lakers actually make a deep run in this postseason. Um, and like I briefly touched on earlier, more than the, the shot making tonight, it was his playmaking. I mean, he made several really great passes to Anthony Davis in the first half to really get him going and then he didn't turn the ball over at a high rate, and he kind of just initiated the Lakers' offense without much of a hitch at all. Um, and I really do think, as I said, 
if D'Angelo can play like that a bit more consistently, especially in this next round against either the Warriors or the Kings, the Lakers will advance again. Um, now the last piece of, of, of credit that I think you need to, to sort of hand out tonight is Darvin Ham. And this is a guy that Lakers fans have been flaming the last couple of days and at various times throughout the whole season, um, mainly because of rotational decisions, you know, during the, the regular season, um, I'm thinking of one back to back in particular, when the Lakers rested Anthony Davis, it was kind of like a must win game to Houston and they lost and that ended up impacting their seating, um, down the stretch. Um, and then in the playoffs, particularly in game five, the rotations, um, sitting Anthony Davis during a crucial stretch of the game where the Grizzlies kind of widened the margin and the Lakers could never come back. Um, we look at what Darvin Ham and his staff did tonight, especially in the first half. He doesn't play Malik Beasley or Troy Brown, two guys that, as I mentioned earlier, they can't help the Lakers, but those are two guys who have really struggled as of late and not playing them and going with the guys that were hot and keeping D'Lo on the floor um, in, in particular, um, you know, that was, that was a great adjustment to, to not go to whatever preset rotations he has and just go with what was working in front of his face. Um, and I think that look, Laker fans can easily forget that this is Darvin Ham's first season and first playoffs as a head coach. So he's going to have some rookie head coach mistakes. Um, and obviously you hope it doesn't cost you a series, but, um, because of the Lakers talent and the depth they have on the roster, I don't think that'll happen. Um, and I wouldn't expect him to make as many as many rotational mistakes as the player of the as the playoffs wear on. And I think after tonight, it is clear that this Lakers staff did learn from some of the mistakes that they made earlier in the series and they cleaned things up. So I think that should give you confidence if you are a Lakers fan in Darvin Ham and the coaching staff that they can keep that going into the second round. Speaking of which, um I do think that either matchup is going to be a tough one. Golden State, I think the biggest challenge is just the elite guard play, and it it, it always is the case with Steph Clay and and uh, and and Jordan Poole, um, and just their overall depth that they have with Andrew Wiggins back in the fold, um, and then Sacramento, you have a really high powered offense. De'Aaron Fox, one of the quickest players in the league, one of the most clutch players in the league, um, really well coached. Uh, Mike Brown's a, a guy who might be able to. And Steve Kerr as well, obviously, but those are two guys that might be able to out chess match a Darvin Ham, who's in his first Western Conference semifinals as a head coach. Um, and then the last thing with the Kings that I think isn't as big of a thing with the Warriors is just their home court, man. It's especially you, 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 you give those Kings fans a Lakers series. <laughs> you thought it was loud for the Warriors series, man. That would be pretty insane. Um, when we're talking about that Kings Warriors series, I did pick. The Kings to win in seven. I'm sticking with that. I do think they're going to win game seven. I think the Warriors blew it tonight. Um, and I do think that we're looking at a Kings-Lakers series in round two. A shout out to uh, those early 2000s Laker fans that I grew up around in Southern California with the uh, Kobe Bryant eight jersey in the back here. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of which, once that Kings-Warriors series is over and the matchup is set, I will be doing a Lakers series preview. So stay tuned for that. Well, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Um, subscribe on Spotify, Apple, iHeart, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts and NBA shows. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Blake on social, and I will see you on the next Blake show.